I remember during my days in Entrepreneur School of Asia, there, there was a, a long hallway connecting from the classroom all the way to the library because you need to have a long walk. As for this suggestion, I would like to say put a classroom beside a library so that persons on the autism spectrum can have easy access to the library and have a review buddy so that they can, you can learn your university studies there. Uh, I actually selected the playground primarily because, you know, the experience of that family from Cebu still resonates with me, that children should have access to whatever makes them happy. And like you said, yeah, it's not just about physical barriers. Of course, as we can see from both images, uh, there is no children who have wheelchairs won't be able to play here. For autism, we don't have any physical constraint. So our kids would very likely be able to play with all of that. So I actually like the one on the left primarily because there's more sensory stimulation. The swinging and, and then also the jumping, that's something that our kids need. One of the things that we have found to be a good factor in assessing how inclusive the community is or a space is, is not just the design. It is also how it is operated. So policies, procedures of people who are running the space or implementing programs in that space is actually more important than the space itself. So it is not about how pretty it is or how quote-unquote PWD friendly it is because of the physical space, but it is because of the policy that uh, is run there. And I think playgrounds especially and any place that there, there's recreation is an important thing that I think we are currently missing today. We talk about stories, no? We have a story of this boy was 15 years old. He has autism, is uh, nonverbal. When he went to a play place inside a mall, his classmates were allowed in, but he was not because they declared that he had autism. The people who were running the place were afraid that that boy was going to hurt other kids because he was bigger than ev everyone else was playing inside. That was one. There was also another situation in you know the big theme park in Laguna where a child on the autism spectrum was asked to go to the clinic after he declared that he had autism. And the child was asked for a medical clearance that he would not hurt other people, which they found really strange. Eventually, they allowed the child in, but he could only ride a few rides, like almost the kiddie rides na lang. That was very strange to me. And I think this is one of the areas where we have gaps in policy because it's so important for young kids to, to play and to have fun and we're not seeing the level of inclusion that we want at the moment. We have a lot of work to do in this area. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Small Talks, Big Moves, conversations for a more inclusive society. This podcast explores community solutions through creative research methods, and each season is focused on a specific sector. Welcome to Season 1, Creating an Inclusive Society for People with Disabilities. Hi, this is Ken. And this is Nicole. And you just heard the story of Miss Mona and Carl Veluz. 
So that's not just one story. There's like four stories there. And no story is the same. Definitely. And Ma'am Mona highlights a very important point that people with disabilities are very diverse. They have different needs. They have different preferences. And I think this also shows with how children experience the playground. Yeah, and you can also see in the stories how there is so much more to learn about autism. What I like most about this episode is we have Ma'am Mona and Carl, who's mother and son. So you can see how even in the family, they work together for the better of, of the community. Not only a mother to Carl, but also a mother to probably one of the Philippines' biggest association for people with disability. Yeah, today's episode is taking a different route. So our past episodes focused more on advocates and their experiences. This episode talks about organizations, talks about partnerships, and how organizations should work together. So now let's hear from Miss Mona and Carl. My name is Mona Magna Veluz. Currently, I am the National President of the Autism Society Philippines. I come from a corporate background. I have a business degree. My master's is also in business. My foray into the, the disability advocacy world really is driven by my love for my son, Carl, who is 28 years old. He was really the uh, what propelled me into this world. And right now, I am working quite extensively with the Autism Society Philippines and our network of partners towards the delivery of programs that help individuals on the autism spectrum and their families, you know, live with dignity and uh, live in an inclusive world. My name is Carl Veluz. I am 28 years old. I am the Vice President External of the ASP Self-Advocate Circle. Hi, Ms. Mona. Hi, Carl. Thank you for joining us. We are really thrilled to have you in today's episode. So earlier, Ms. Mona, we heard about your background, but I want to ask further, um, what led you from being an advocate to someone who is leading the Autism Society of the Philippines? Were there any specific experiences that shaped your leadership and perspective in leading an organization for inclusion? So when I first joined ASP, Carl was just newly diagnosed. So this was back in 1997. I really wasn't active. Uh, as a member, I would I would join conferences. I would call them if I need help, ask for resources. That was our relationship. But when Carl uh, graduated from high school, I told my son that, you know, it's time for us to give back to the organization that has helped us so much. I started out as a volunteer. I started as a writer. And when the team kind of got to know me, they put my name in for board of directors during an, an election. And that was kind of the start of it. As a board member, I realized the majority of the ASP board were parents like me, but their background was really more in education and their world was really uh, revolved around therapists and teachers and doctors. And me coming from the corporate world, I said, well, we're missing out on something because if we wanted to strive for inclusion, then we have to target the society in general, not just the community that we're comfortable with. So when I came in, one of the things, one of the first things that I work on was a kindness campaign. So we had that one pangako campaign. One pangako translates to one promise. Because we felt that to be kind, to be inclusive, is not something that you can mandate as a law. 
it has to be a personal promise. It has to be something that is very internal. So that's why we we came up with the One Pangako campaign. And since it started in 2012, we've got millions of pledges towards that goal. That was a really more a shotgun general public targeted towards the youth campaign. Um, one of the things that I feel that is a big driver in my advocacy for inclusion was also my belief that adults on the autism spectrum must be economically independent. They must have financial literacy and all of this economic empowerment also contributes to how they can participate in society in general. So how do we do this? Because uh, my corporate background has given me experience in talent acquisition. We started the ASP Autism Works Program and the Autism Works Program started out as an employment program where we kind of become the middleman between the, the job seekers and the company. We train the company, we help them manage neurodiverse individuals and that was also the start of you know something that that is now immensely successful we started with three individuals on the autism spectrum back in 2016 employed in one location and now we are up to 230 positions filled in 53 enterprises across 11 provinces I, I think it's it's one of the ways that we genuinely feel our kids are included. It's like uh, kindness bubbles that, you know, all of the people in the workplace are kind, are understanding, are compassionate. And that's the kind of environment you want to encourage. Wow. Thank you so much for your story, Mamona. Now, Carl, you mentioned that you were the external vice president of ASP Self-Advocate Circle. Yes, you are correct. All right, perfect. Um, so can you tell me about your what are your responsibilities as an officer in that position? Okay, as far as I know, being the external vice president of the self-advocate circle is to talk to various organizations, just like like education and among others. Um, so do you like your position so far? Uh, do you find it fulfilling? Despite all the mistakes that I encounter, I still love my position. All right. So that's great. Now, uh, Mamona, I wanted to ask, so I understand that the parents are really the, almost the driving force that moves the association. Can you share some stories of, of inspiration um, that you heard from a parent or two? So uh, actually, there are nice stories. There are also disappointing stories. Um, very recently, we know of resorts who were put in the spotlight because of those kinds of incidents in, in society. And there are a lot of those. But with every bad experience, that is compensated by 10 more that are actually nice. So some of the stories that uh, I know, for example, there was a young man from Mandaluyong who got lost. Uh, well, no, he didn't get lost. He, he won. So he left the house and this is an adult man on the spectrum who is a nonverbal and he got to SM uh, Dasmarina on his own by riding a jeep. And when he got there, because of the training that we have done in SM malls, for example, they were able to spot him and determine that he may be on the autism spectrum. So as wow. soon as he entered the mall, he was guided to security where they started making phone calls. They started asking him, uh, where do you live? And that's when he mentioned that he was in Mandaluyo. So uh, long story short, the parents were able to connect with the LGU 
the Pidao of Mandaluyong and they were able to borrow the vehicle of Mandaluyong so they could go to Cavite and they were already reunited. I think this is one example where it wasn't just a person and a person talking. There was business involved. There was government involved. There was the community involved. And it was because of ASP initiatives in Dasmariñas that the members of ASP in Mandaluyong also helped out. It's one of those examples that I really like. More and more in the private sector, uh, we are seeing awareness and acceptance. We are seeing also a positive action from these people who run enterprises. And there's so many other stories in the public sector, like in DFA in Pampanga. There was also an instance where the child on the spectrum who was getting his passport didn't want to sit down for his photo. It was difficult. The parents actually went out first. They they tried to amuse him and tried to you know, give him food, his favorite snack, everything. But when they came back to DFA for their photo, he still wouldn't keep still. So what the staff did was they actually tried to make him smile. And somebody took out music. Uh, they were they were trying to catch his attention in front of the camera. And that was, I think, amazing. It was an amazing group effort. And this was a government agency. So I think we're, we're seeing this these pockets of kindness and inclusion all over the country, whether in the private sector and the public sector. And I would like to think that it was it's because of the work and the advocacy of many in our community. I really find the ripple effect of kindness amazing and the awareness, and that's because of the efforts of the Autism Society. But now let's look at the Advocates Circle. So Carl, do you have any projects lined up for your members? So if the pandemic ends, we are planning to do a road trip first across Luzon. Yes, Luzon and then the entire Philippines. So can you tell me about the activities within the road show? So like, for example, we need to like recruiting membership okay. and to discuss the, the organization exclusively for self-advocates. So I would assume that some of your friends are also working inside the um, advocate circle. Well, apparently, they are my fellow officers, like Matt, Ian, and Pia. Yes, that's correct. All right. So uh, do you like working with them? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, as long as we collaborate, despite all, despite the bis- dis- despite all the busy times we did. We're really excited to have that roadshow. I think that's a very important activity also for not just for visibility, but also to inspire future advocates as well. I'd also like to share something about the ASP self-advocate service. So essentially what we found out, and this is the parents, no, is that our goal as ASP is really different from their goal. Yeah, we have a different agenda. So we're, we're all in one advocacy, but their needs, they are able to articulate it in a context that's very different from ours. So for example, when we did a study on the SASI membership, their priorities are socialization, employment, and mental health. So those are the three things that the group is now kind of focused on. Carl was articulating socialization because that is something that's very important to a lot of them, like getting together, finding new members, expanding the circle. So that's an important part of uh, of what they wanted to do. And their president, Ian Lopez, has actually also been involved in our, the ASP national operations in a sense that he has, we have been sending him as a representative of ASP. He sits on the 
United Nations Convention on the Rights of PWDs Committee as a representative of ASP, who's also met up with the Civil Service Commission because we were advocating for treatment of autism as a disability. At the moment, autism is not recognized by the CSC as a disability, so we do not get the additional time that is afforded to others with disabilities. So all of these things, we are kind of trying to calibrate with the ASP self-advocate circle. But I think with within their group, the, the priority is really what matters to them the most. It's also very important. I think one important part of inclusion, I think, is also respect for how different we are. So yes, they can do whatever they want and, and advocate for, for what they feel their priorities are side by side with the parents who are running after different objectives. All right. Wow, that's a very interesting perspective on the organization. You know, parents may have goals for their children, but it is also important to acknowledge what is important for them, for the children, for the self-advocates, and allowing them to grow and be the person they want to be and realize their values and, you know, eventually empower themselves. Thank you for that. I'm just curious, you know, if we are to create more activities or more programs for the Advocates Circle, What do you think should we have more of? If I had it my way, I would like to say to continue leadership training for for all self-advocates. All right, great. A lot of training and uh, perhaps some visibility using your roadshow. Thank you for that, Carl. So next is for Mamona. What about those groups who might not have an understanding of what autism is? How do we get them involved? So the, the challenge of sustainability in advocacy, in any advocacy, is really multifaceted. There are also a lot of stakeholders to make sure that the engagement is sustained. So uh, Carl mentioned one very important thing. I feel that for the autism inclusion advocacy in the Philippines, the future is really our self-advocate. The parents can only go so far. Beyond a certain point, it is really them who will be advocating for themselves. You know, nothing about them without them. And I, I genuinely believe that. I do want to en- enable them, give them, like Carl said, the training that they need and the opportunities to lead. They have to be at the table when uh, discussions are being made about adult issues like elections or government testing, like I said earlier. So all of this is part of our strategy. For the parent groups, government engagement is also very important. Government allows us to scale. So we have been coordinating with the National Council on Disability Affairs, and that connection allows us to reach various LGUs through the Persons with Disabilities Affairs offices, and they in turn connect us with communities in their area of coverage. So this allows us to have the manpower and the geographic reach. But even even with that, what's next? We have to have other partners within the community to help either with funding or with programs so that they can have uh, you know, something to do and something to drive. And uh, in our case, it has really been a, I would say, one-on-one effort. Every time we identify a new partner, we really have to sit down with them, look at their objectives as an organization and see how they match with what we need to accomplish. And with that, we work together towards a particular goal. One aspect of sustainability that many kind of set aside is actually financial sustainability. We cannot continue our advocacy when we do not know how to govern our finances. And the Autism Society of Philippines is privately funded. We do not access any public funds. So what we have are programs. The programs is something that we look for funding for. And while that is happening, majority still of those who are driving our projects are volunteers. In our advocacy, 
it is not enough to have the heart. You also need to know how to run the organization. It cannot be all, you know, I love, I love, I feel, I feel. It has to be also uh, somebody who's project-driven and results-driven. How do you identify partners that are good for the organization? Because in any, in any project, in any program, I think you have to run it like a business, no? And it really depends on what your goals are. So, for example, autism-inclusive employment in any company, you have to run it in a way that you can measure the results of that program as a program, as an individual program, as opposed to organizational accomplishments. For sustainability to happen, you really have to stay clear on your objectives and how you are deciding day-to-day and how to get there. So, and our mission, if you ask ASP formally, is ASP envisions a world where Filipinos on the autism spectrum become the best of their potential, self-reliant, independent, productive, socially accepted members of an autism okay Philippine. Nobody will memorize that. Ako lang. <laughs> No, but uh, for it, for any of our members, they have a difficult time having to memorize that. So we try to make our vision clear to everyone. I guess that helps our team also make the day-to-day decisions. So for example, somebody comes up to me and says, I want to create a fashion show for kids on the autism spectrum. And you say, how does that project get us to the Autism OK Philippines? Can you see the track? If you cannot, then that's something that we don't do. Uh, somebody would say, uh, let's do a feeding program for a public school. And that's a very good project. It's a very noble project. But it is out of scope. It is not within the pathway to the vision that we have put together. So going back to your point on sustainability, partnership is good, yes. But a good grasp of your vision and a good grasp of what it takes to get there, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. And that, I think, would lead us to the right direction. All right. So I, I love that you mentioned, Mamona, about that alignment. And I think all of the activities of any organizations should really contribute to the mission of the organization. And uh, I guess we also understand that because we have very limited resources, so we really have to strategize on activities that would definitely contribute to our overall goal as an organization. Now let's go on to engaging the public. If I'm someone who is interested to take part in the efforts of the organization, how do I get myself involved? Uh, Maybe Carl, you can go first. Well, If you are a self-advocate throughout the entire Philippines and the entire world, please also like the ASP Self-Advocate Circle. The, The Autism Society Philippines is active in a lot of social media platforms. And if you are interested in being in contributing, please follow us there. Maybe that can be the start. I do know that how I started is really looking at what I can do. And I, for example, for me, I can write. And I started with that. If volunteering is it's not even possible, then what, wherever you are, I think you can make a change to inspire your organization, your family, your, your friends at church to be a little bit more inclusive. Uh, changes in policy and practice goes a long way. And I am hoping uh, that more people through those little pockets of effort all together can make an impact. Thank you so much, Ma'am Mona and Carl. So you heard the story of an advocate who probably inspired thousands at this point. What struck me in the interview is that in order for us to achieve the goal of inclusion, which is a very hairy and an audacious goal, we need to create partners and a guiding coalition to accomplish such goal. And in conducting activities within an organization, all of our activities should be aligned to what the organization's mission is. I agree. And that's also what stayed with me. I don't know if you remember, Ken, 
but whenever we think of projects, I mean us, the two of us, we always talk about the civic spectrum. Yes. So this, remember, this is something we learned in a fellowship. And the civic spectrum basically says that you have to engage the heart, the head, and the hands. And when Miss Mona in the interview said na, hindi pwedeng puro heart, heart, I love, I love, it really reminded me of how in the past, I mean, we've had organizations, and we always talk about how we have to be passionate about our goals and it would get us to where we want to be. But no, managing projects, managing organizations requires you to have the heart, you know, how passionate you are, the head, what information is it that you need to know about the projects and the hands? Like, what's the strategy that you need moving forward or how will you be able to impart this with your members and with your partners? So I can only imagine how wonderful the journey Mamona and Carl went through to bring the Autism Society of the Philippines to where it is now. That's true. And it also shows what kind of leader Mamona is, that in order for you to lead an organization, you need to create partnerships and allies. You also need to be strategic about your projects and advocacies and also to share the vision and mission of organizations not only to your officers but also to the members of your association as well. It's also nice to see Carl advocating for leadership. Yeah, and how Mamona and the team and the association supports their children to become the best versions of themselves. And I hope that this episode may serve as an inspiration to all the leaders out there. If you enjoyed this episode, follow and share our page with your friends. Reaching communities help us fulfill the overall goal of the podcast. You may also write down stories and ideas that embrace diversity and build a stronger, more inclusive society at our comment section. And of course, join us again next time for another episode here on Small Talks Big Moves, Conversations for a More Inclusive Society.